Please pray with me. Lord Jesus Christ, we come down and we adore you. You are worthy of all praise and honor and glory. Open our hearts now, Lord, that we might hear from you. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You know, as a preacher, I look at these scriptures and I think about the significance of this day, and I just want to preach all day long on all the scriptures uh, that we read today. But I'm not going to do that because I'm sure you all have plans for the rest of your day. But these are such beautiful, beautiful passages and stories and prophecies that um, it just, it's so wonderful and amazing to, to read through them and hear them all in, in one sitting, isn't it? So Molly and I and our, our girls, we had a wonderful opportunity a couple of weeks ago to go and, and listen to Handel's Messiah uh, by the chamber, the St. Paul uh, Chamber Orchestra a few weeks ago before Christmas. It was a truly beautiful, remarkable experience, and uh, I had never actually sat and listened to the whole, way, whole thing through before. Perhaps some of you have, but uh, it's just, it, it's completely mesmerizing from beginning to end. I absolutely loved it. So if you have the opportunity at some point to go and listen to Handel's Messiah, I strongly, strongly encourage you to do so. And it was also fun to see how many people would get dressed up for this occasion, right? Going to the, the great symphony hall, you know, the, to, to hear all of this was um, quite a reason to dress up. So there were people in their, in their suits. I think I even spotted a couple tuxedos in the crowd. And then people, uh, women in their big poofy fur coats and fancy dresses. You know, it's as if it was like prom for adults or something like this. There were also several priests who were there wearing their collars. It made me feel a little jealous because I didn't wear my collar to this. And I was like, oh, well, maybe, maybe I should have done that, you know. Um, and then there were even some, some military folks there in their dress blues. It was just such a wonderful occasion. And, and the Ordway, if you've ever been there before, you know that the building itself is designed probably with Handel's Messiah in mind. You know, it's just such a, a grand thing where, you know, even though we were several balconies up, uh, it felt like we were right there in the presence of the orchestra. Um, it was just such a wonderful place. We could hear every single stringed instrument that was being played, every single voice of the choir that was there. It was just absolutely great. And like I said, it was the, the first time that I listened to the whole thing all the way through. I was completely mesmerized um, by every single voice and instrument praising God throughout it. But I have to admit something. I don't listen to that kind of music very often. And so I kind of had to retrain myself how to listen to it, right? And I'm sure a lot of you might feel the same way, where you, you listen to these magnificent pieces that have been celebrated for generations, and you sit there and you're kind of like, man, this isn't as like gripping as, as some other things that I usually like to listen to, right? I didn't really have the fullness of mind throughout that entire experience. You know, I didn't really know like, okay, which instruments are actually setting the pace and the beat in this moment? You know, which course is, or what was the chorus even, you know, and, and how did that come to repeat itself? What was the significance and meaning for that? And you know what, if I looked around the room, you know, not that, not that my kids would have fit this description by any means, but there were some kids who weren't actually paying attention to the chamber orchestra. Can you imagine that? And believe it or not, there were even some adults who thought that this was a fine opportunity to stare at their phones for the entire time. Like, it was just, it, it was a very interesting thing. But overall, it was an absolutely transcendent experience. The sung scriptures, the passionate musicians, 
stirred my soul to praise the Lord. Well, friends, this morning we are in the beautiful season of Epiphany. And this is like a very sophisticated orchestra with a plethora of voices that we get to hear and instruments that we get to listen to. This is a season, and today is the day of Epiphany. It actually falls on a Sunday this year, but we're going to be celebrating Epiphany for the next seven or eight weeks, depending how you count it. But this is a time in which we're going to be reminded of the prophets and the kings and how they were pointing to Christ all along. And this is a season in which we're also going to hear from the apostles and from the early church and how they point back to Christ, celebrating the accomplishment of his life and his death and his resurrection. This is a time in which we're going to be looking at the expansion of God's kingdom throughout the rest of the nations. We're going to see God's kingdom on mission. And we're going to see times in which it was welcomed and received and celebrated, kind of like with what we saw with the wise men this morning. But we're also going to be hearing stories of times in which God's kingdom is resisted and pushed back and not received in such a, a wonderful sort of way. But ultimately, this is a season in which we celebrate the incarnation which the incarnation, that's kind of a churchy word for basically when God became man, when he clothed himself in human flesh and walked among us. An epiphany is an invitation to listen to the orchestra and to rediscover who Christ is, to peer with the wise men down into the manger and see God made man. Now, I don't know about you, but I think that there's a problem sometimes with this season, right? Because some of these stories are kind of familiar. And some of the words and the phrases that we hear, they're kind of heavy, churchy words that we just sort of tune out to, right? And I'm sure this isn't, doesn't, wouldn't describe any of you, but sometimes I'm kind of a lazy person. And so I hear things like this, and it's easy for me to tune out. I hear the complex harmonies of these scriptures, and and I just kind of click out, right? Kind of the same way that one might click out of hearing the hallelujah chorus because you've heard it in so many commercials and abused in movies and stuff that it's become kind of cliche and weird to you. you. When you're actually sitting here, it's like, this, this is it. This is the hallelujah chorus. I'm supposed to stand up right now. This is the beautiful moment. But maybe you tune out. You know, maybe you come into epiphany with the wise men, but you fall asleep with the ass, right? It's so easy to tune out of this stuff. So this is laziness that leads us to forget who Jesus is. So my challenge to you is to not tune out. Don't stare at your phones throughout this season like the cynic. Instead, get the best seat. Listen to the intricacies of each one of the instruments. Study the story. Memorize the melodies of the song. Because here's the great twist of it all. This isn't just an orchestra that you get to sit at. No, Jesus is the great conductor who actually steps off the stage, turns, and hands you an instrument. This is a moment in which all of us are invited to actually participate and get involved in the story. It's not like we're merely just sitting here listening to something. So like I said, today is an invitation to enter the orchestra of the Christian life. Now this Sunday, we're going to be looking at probably the passage of the three that you most likely tuned out with, which I would guess is Ephesians. Because I don't know about you, again, but you hear these phrases of blessing and in Christ and, and redemption and forgiveness, and 
you know, kind of, if you've been in church for a while, your brain just kind of clicks out, right? So that's the passage that we're going to be looking at today. So I'm going to invite all of you to unclog your ears, and just like the wise men, follow the star, and maybe you'll get to discover Christ, or perhaps even rediscover who Jesus is. Now this passage on on page 9, it's kind of cheating the way that it's presented right now uh, in, in terms of understanding this passage. Because in the original language, the, Bible, the New Testament was written in Greek, and in the original Greek, this is just one big old 22-word sentence that just goes on and on and on. So basically, Paul is just kind of going on and on, and it, it feels like it's kind of rambling. And if you were to read all of this in one big breath, it might come off to you like that, Right? Well, thankfully, our English translators, the, the scholars who look at the Greek and, you know, they, they write it into English so that we can read this, they've, they've given us some aids. They've given us commas and uh, sentence breaks and, and even punctu- or, uh, paragraph breaks so that we can understand this a little bit better. And, um, but basically, you can see that Paul, the author, he's absolutely elated with praises of who God is. And he's writing this even in prison. So even from prison, he's so filled with God's praise and celebration of the things that God has done that he writes these words. So today, I want to look at three ways in which this, this, this passage, this song of benediction speaks to us. And this is kind of a, a, a good sort of epiphany, or um, just kind of little uh, microcosm of what the entire season of Epiphany is like. And so I want us to look at this and rediscover who God is during this Epiphany season. What does this song-like passage have to say to us today? So first of all, I think this passage begins with the beat of blessing. You just hear it right when you start going on. Blessed be God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly uh, places. So this passage is setting, that it has this blessing sort of tempo to it, right? That keeps us trucking along through it. We hear that God is blessed. He's the blessed one, which basically means that he's worthy of praise and honor. But then what does he do? He blesses us. So the one who is blessed blesses us with Christ and every other blessing of the heavenly places. Well, why? Why does he do this? Why does God want to bless his people? Because he's stirred by love. He's motivated by love. In verse 5, it says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters. You see, friends, this isn't just a, 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 the beat of blessing isn't just found in this one particular passage, but it's been running throughout the entire scriptures. This has been God's plan all along. In fact, this passage says three times the phrase according to. In verse 5, according to the purposes of his will. Verse 7, according to the riches of his grace. Verse 11, according to the purpose of him who works out all things. In other words, it is God's will and his grace and his striving to bless you. Does that hit you? Does, that, does it feel like that? Does it feel like God is, is planning and striving to bless you? You know, what does this mean? It means that no longer do you have to wander this world as an orphan. Maybe it feels like that to you. Maybe, maybe walking through this world, it, it feels like, like there's no authority who's sort of looking after you. No one's got your back. 
You know, maybe you're wandering this world as an orphan. You know, it's certainly no um, controversy today to say that, that family is under attack in, in our society, right? And I could list off many uh, statistics and stuff that could kind of prove this point. But I think what that, what's been going on in this breakdown of the family in America over the past several generations is that we have this distrust of authority. And we all come from broken homes in some sort of way. Or we've been severely let down by our own families. Even if we come from healthy homes, we go through life feeling like we're striving, as if we're trying to please someone from our past in some sort of way. Or simply we're, we're just, or maybe we're just longing for that place of peace that we can call home. You see, we're all wandering in this sort of like orphan kind of mentality kind of way. Well, in this passage, what Paul is reminding us, what God is declaring to you today is that no longer do you have to wander the world as an orphan. You have been redeemed by Christ and placed in his family, his family. And this is a local expression of it. The church is is God's family. It spans through time and across the globe. But here in this room, in this gymnasium that we've kind of claimed for Christ this morning, this is where a local expression of God's family is that you are a part of. So like I said, this passage begins with the beat of blessing. Paul is describing the beat of the Father's heart that's been going since the beginning of time itself. So secondly, we hear throughout this passage the chorus of Christ. Ten times in this passage you hear in Christ or something like through Christ or in him. Ten times, and depending how you count it, again, it might be a little bit more. But ten times you hear some sort of preposition in, through, by, whatever. You hear some sort of preposition and then Christ, the Messiah, the Lord Jesus himself. You see, Paul wants to make the point that our lives are firmly planted within Jesus Christ. The early church knew that in Christ was the fundamental identity of the Christian. And we can't stop singing this chorus, friends. It's the chorus of this passage, it's the chorus of the New Testament, and it should be the chorus of our lives as well. We are in Christ. Verse 7 says this, In him we have the redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to what? The riches of his grace. So some of you know this. Uh, about a year ago, our Molly's bike was stolen right out of our garage. Um, some schmuck uh, broke into our car, stole my, my clicker, my garage clicker, and waltzed right into the garage and rode this lovely little uh, speedster right down our alleyway. Well, a few months passed. We'd kind of given up hope, uh, but then we found out that the bike had been found. We're like, yay, this is great. The bike has been found, or so we thought. We drove down Chicago Avenue to the pawn shop uh, where, where the bike had been hawked, and uh, unfortunately, by the time we got here, this is where the story gets even worse, the bike had already been sold. Blah, blah. So we went home pretty dejected, uh, we were wondering, like, oh, could we somehow find out who the owner is and just pay more money to get the stinking bike back? And the police officers and the people who own the pawn shop said, no, legally, we can't give you customer information like that. We're like, oh, that stinks. Well, some of you have had things that have been stolen away from you, things that have been 
have moved down the road a little bit to the local pawn shop for a cheap buck. You know, maybe years of your childhood have been stolen away from you by an abusive father. Or maybe you had a boss who meddled with your paycheck and actually took dollars out of your paycheck from you. Things like that have perhaps been stolen. Or maybe that guy in college, maybe, you know, whatever, and things were stolen away from you. Or maybe some of you have even walked your own precious belongings down to the pawn shop in order to fuel some bad habits. You've given away parts of your soul in exchange for time on that website or that bottle or that whatever. You've gone and visited the pawn shop. And now there's precious pieces of your life that feel hopelessly lost to you. You know, we walk around, all of us in this room know what that's like. And all of us walk around this world feeling like we are incomplete people whose pieces have been sold off in various ways. Well, friends, good news for you this morning. Jesus is rich in grace, is what this passage says. And he has bought back through his blood every bit that has been sold off every corner of your imagination, every piece of your body, every passion of your soul, and it has been claimed by Christ. It doesn't belong to that schmuck down the road. It belongs to Jesus Christ who sits upon the throne. So I pray that we would be a people who sing the chorus of being in Christ, every single piece of us. So thirdly, this passage, the way that it calls us to rediscover who God is, is we hear running throughout it the harmony of the Holy Spirit. Verse 11, in him, that is Christ, in him we have obtained an inheritance. And then in 13 and 14 it says, we were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance. You see, friends, there is a day in which God will unite, and this passage is where it says it, God will unite all things back to himself. Our redemption and the redemption of the entire cosmos will be complete. But until then, that's right. It's amazing, isn't it, Clara? <laughs> she said, oh. <laughs> but until that redemption ultimately happens, we have a guarantee. We have a promise. Now that word in, in the original language, uh, the word guarantee that's there in verse 14, that can mean several other things. It could mean like a pledge or, or like a down payment or a deposit of some sort of sense. What it's kind of like is a, uh, an engagement ring. That's what this could sort of be analogous to. You know, holy vows have not yet been exchanged. The church hasn't totally pronounced, well, at all, the church has not yet pronounced man and wife. The final consummation has not yet occurred. And so in the meantime, you get a gift. You get something that marks you. Something that states that you are promised to someone and that there will be a day in which those vows will be said, the pronouncements will be said, and the day will be complete. Well, that is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is that deposit that we get to draw from in this in-between time. So one of my favorite parts of going back to the, the orchestra story that I was telling, uh, one of my favorite parts of that was looking down, uh, you know, we were about, I don't know, three or four 
stages up, I guess. But looking down and actually recognizing one of the violinists who were there. And I pulled out the, the thing, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The program. Thank you very much. That's how sophisticated I am. I know it's called a program. <laughs> so I pulled out the pro. I almost said the order of service. <laughs> so I pulled out the program, and I, I looked at, we'll call him uh, Jack. I won't say his real name, because some of you know this person. Uh, and it's not that Jack. Um, maybe Someday, maybe, right? No? Okay. So I looked down, and I was like, oh, that is. That's Jack. That's, it's Jack who's down there on stage. And he's playing, and it was just beautiful to hear, right? Well, I don't know him terribly well. I, I wish I could say that. Um, but he's actually one of the musicians at Church of the Cross, which is our mother church. And I had invited myself to one of the meetings of the worship uh, leaders at Church of the Cross. And it was a fun meeting. And after the meeting, uh, Andine, the worship leader there, invited all of us to go up into the, into the area at Church of the Cross where we all just played some music that she had. And, and by the end of it, I was kind of like, who's that violinist? Like, that was amazing. And we're only like four feet away from him. And, he, and, and I, again, I don't want to share his name because I don't want to embarrass him. But like, you could tell that he was just an utter and complete worship of the Lord. You know, he was this world-class musician using his skill to praise the Lord. And being really close to him was just awesome. And so seeing Jack down there on stage made me remember that moment, and it made me think, like, oh, I'm supposed to be on that stage too. Now, that would be an absolute horrifying experience because I don't play anything, and you don't want to listen to me sing. But I just, I felt like, oh, I need to be up there. Like, I've been close to him before. I've been close to some of those musicians before, and I know what that's like. I want to be even closer. I don't like being all the way up in the balcony. Well, friends, that's what it's like to have the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit, it's not just this, this shiny object that we wear on our, on our finger. No, it's actually a gift that empowers us to be a participant in the grand orchestra that is happening. It, the Holy Spirit, he's the key that makes it all living and alive and expression it, right? He's the comforter. He's the helper. He's the guide. He's the revealer of truth. He's the teacher. He empowers us to be musicians in God's orchestra. Are you haunted by things of your past? Are there spirits that just won't leave you alone? Or memories that won't leave you alone? Do you have your own stories of the pawn shop that you can't forget? Do you have these shivers of guilt that pop up within you all the time? Well, friends, pray for God's spirit to come upon you because he will give it. Pray to the Lord. Say, Lord, I want to get rid of these lies from my past. I want more joy, Lord. I want more victory over sin. I want more wisdom. Jesus, give me more of your blessed Holy Spirit. And you know how he'll answer that? He'll say yes. He'll give you his Holy Spirit. The Lord loves to answer that prayer. That's what he does all throughout scriptures, and that's what he's doing in this room all the time. He's giving us more of his Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit's role to harmonize you into the great song of God's redeeming and unifying work on this earth. So friends, that's what I want to call us into this season of Epiphany, okay? 
I want us to be called into the song of what God's work is doing, of that light spreading across the globe. That's what we are being called into. So I want us to unclog our ears, and I want us to discover or rediscover who Christ is. So it's epiphany, so I suppose I should talk about the wise men a little bit more. And then I'll, I'll conclude, don't worry. So you know, the, the wise men, when they discovered the Christ child, <laughs> do you see what it said? Well, they, they, they see the, the, the star, right, indicating that they're close. And the scripture says, they rejoice exceedingly with great joy. That's the Bible's way of saying they just about lost their mind when they saw this star. They were freaking out when they saw that star get close to the Christ child. And then when they saw him, they fell down and they worshipped him. And then they gave him gifts. Now here's a fun question to kind of think about. Do you think the wise men on their way home, do you think they sang at all? Of course they did, right? Like, they were so filled with joy. They're, they're these Middle Easterners, right? They're just full of, the cultures are just absolutely full of song and celebration. Of course they sang on the way home. So if you need a song today, if you need a song on your way home or a song that's leading you through Epiphany, I would like to commend this reading of Ephesians to you. Perhaps this can be your song this season. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this challenge upon myself, and I would invite you to join me with this. But maybe over the next six or seven or, again, eight weeks, I, I forgot to actually count them, maybe we can commit this passage to memory together. And I'm awful at memorizing things, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to remember Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. And I would like to invite you to do the same thing. May this passage soak within your soul these next few weeks. And may you find those riches of grace to draw from. You'll find so many more things in this passage that I didn't even come close to touching today. This passage will be speaking to you and ministering to you in ways that that we didn't even touch on today. And so my prayer is that by the end of this epiphany season, that you would be able to go out into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So at this point in our service, I would invite you all to stand if you're able. And we're going to recite together the ancient words of the Nicene Creed. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and of earth, of all that is visible and invisible. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten and not made, of one being with the Father. Through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate from the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, and was made man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, 
who with the Father and the Son is worshipped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe in one holy, Catholic, and apostolic church. We acknowledge one baptism, the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Please be seated for our prayers. Our prayer. We pray for the ministers of the church, for Archbishop Cole, our Bishop Stewart, our Dean Christian, and our Holy Spirit. We pray for all the churches in the country, all the holy people of God, and their commitment to serving in the Christian church. Lord, today we pray for the College of Bishops. Please fulfill our godly mandate. Continue to teach them faithful piety, their word, May they be protectors of doctrine, overseers of the church, and thorough and faithful attainment of the good and great Hear our prayer. Bless all those we love, especially those of rising dead, that we will minister Christ in them and love one another in Christ. Lord, bless all of us who call us where we are and we see that you are too. 